Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Coming up this morning for you early risers, we've got Joe Ingles on the way. Joe in D.C. It's the Jazz and the Wizards tonight. Joe's usually on Thursday, but with back-to-back games Thursday, Friday, he doesn't usually like to come on game day. So uh, we had him on late in the show Wednesday, and we'll get him for you early risers later this morning. Also coming up, Patrick Stevens writes for the Washington Post, covers college sports, Focused like a laser on college basketball. He will help you map out your brackets. But we start with the Utes and their star linebacker, Devin Lloyd. Could have gone to the NFL. Didn't. Why stay? What did a former Ute tell him? He gets into that in his media availability. Spring practice underway at the Utes. Uh, up with the Utes, here's the Utah linebacker, Devin Lloyd, on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Devin, I think it's obvious that a lot of people expected you to uh, go to the NFL after last year. What were the reasons that you came back? Um, more than anything, I want to win. Um, I want to leave with a championship with a nice little ring on my finger and um, hopefully a couple rings. And um, I want to uh, bring guys along with me, too. You know, um, I love helping others. I've said that before. And um, I know this team wants to be great. Um, I know I'm not the only one on the team that wants to be great. And so um, I think just the collection of that, you know, just uh, my passion for the game as well. I know the NFL isn't going anywhere. Um, so uh, more than anything, I just want to kind of uh, cement a legacy here at the university and, you know, do a lot of uh, great things here. And um, I knew I had an opportunity, opportunity to leave, but um, it wouldn't have been up to my expectations, uh, you know, um, as far as the draft, I feel like. Um, so, you know, I just felt like it was all around the best decision to come back and, um, just invest in other years way I look at it. And just a, a quick follow-up, did the the tragic loss of Ty Jordan have any impact on that? Um, I, I definitely took into play just because it did affect me um, a lot. Um, so it just, yeah, and it, it definitely came into play. Trevor Allen followed by Josh Newman. Devin, you guys are stacked at backer now, especially bringing in three guys out of the recruiting class that are, are highly talented uh, guys. Um, how, how important is it now more than ever to be a leader for them, especially going into your last ride at Utah? Yeah, um, more important than ever, obviously. And, um, you know, I just try my best to be my best and set the example every day. And um, Those guys work their tails off every day. Um, and so – they make it really easy for me um, just to set the example. Uh, they want to learn. They want to get better. And, um, you know, I love those guys just for, uh, you know, just who they are and how they work. So uh, they make it easy on me. But, um, yes, it's, it's definitely important, uh, especially with a lot of young guys, to be a leader for sure. Next we'll go to Josh Newman, followed by Steve Bartle. Hey, Devin, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. Um, as you went through the decision-making process for the draft, did you lean on any former teammates? Obviously, there's a you know a lot of defensive guys who have been there, gone through the process, wound up in the NFL. Did you lean on those guys at all? Yeah, I definitely uh, talked to Cody Barton and Francis. Their advice helped me a lot. Um, and it's just my inner circle, you know, the people around me that I trust the most, my family and friends, um, they helped me a lot because it was, it was definitely a stressful decision. Um, I, I invested a lot of time into uh, thinking about it just to make sure I was making the best decision for myself and my future. Um, but Francis and Cody uh, definitely helped me um, and you know, gave me some great advice. Francis and Cody specifically, are you able to share maybe what, what type of, uh, of advice they gave on this process? Um, I can remember uh, vividly uh, what Cody said. and The way he uh, essentially put it was um, 
would you rather have somebody give you a million dollars right now or $5 million uh, in a year from now? And um, that kind of uh, resonated with me just in terms of like uh, the investment part aspect of it um, as far as financially, because obviously money is a huge factor um, as well, aside from uh, just winning. And so, I mean, you have to play it smart. And so um, from that aspect, that definitely helped me because um, I, I was really leaning uh, heavily to coming back but, um, you know, you got to look at it from all aspects as well. And so um, he, he definitely gave me, gave me some advice just seeing the whole perspective, um, you know, as far as, you know, uh, on the field and off the field. Next up is Steve Bartle. Morning, Devin. Morning. Uh, um, we'll just be curious, you know, you talked about the investment would you rather have a million dollars now or $5 million a year from now? Um, you know, what are some things that you're working on in your game that you're, you, you know, you want to get better at? Um, my strike and then taking is what I call it, but um, basically just eliminating all hesitation in my game. So striking, separating, you know, uh, in the box, getting off blockers uh, with ease and using uh, my God given abilities to separate and then, um, just taking so just absolutely no hesitation whenever it comes to uh, coming downhill and making tackles um, and really just running through people's souls. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's going to be a fun year for sure, but that's what I'm emphasizing this spring. And then just to, to, to follow up, you know, with the, the difficulty, uh, with the difficult season that you guys just went through, um, you know, with all the COVID, protocol, uh, COVID protocols and everything like that, just – how proud of you are, how proud are you of this team and, um, and just the guys for having gone through it and now coming back and, and just your, your focus moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I said, it. you know, a whole lot, um, these, these guys, um, want to be great. And, you know, I just, I love the team and everybody for that. Um, they, they take pride in what they do every day and, um, everyone, there's uh, the most self-motivated guys, especially for a group of young guys that I've seen. So um, we're only going to continue to get better every day. But, um, you know, I love this team. And, uh, you know, I, even, I tweeted that. And, you know, I, I really meant it. You know, I knew yeah. what I say. So um, I, I definitely love this team. And, you know, just the, uh, the mindset everyone has. Next, we'll go to Josh Furlong. Yeah, Devin, spring is obviously a time for, for people to develop and, and kind of get back into the system, obviously, a few months before you start. But, you know, in retrospect, you know, how how important is spring knowing that you didn't have it last year and obviously your season was delayed? And, and kind of what, what do you go into this season knowing that, you know, even though COVID's still around and everything like that, but like how exciting this can be now to get back into maybe a more normal sense of, of life? Yeah, spring is definitely important, um, especially for the young guys is, time of the year where mistakes are okay to be made. Um, you know, you can go out and just really just play as fast as you can, uh, you know, without the worry of warrior stress of, you know, if you do mess up, you know, it's not necessarily okay, but it is okay just because it's, you know, this is the time that you want to make mistakes. So um, it's definitely important for the young guys uh, and just get everyone, uh, you know, up to speed as fast as you can. And so um, I, I would say uh, it's extremely important and, just um, as far as, you know, not having spring last year versus having it this year, it's only going to help us, you know, even more uh, just because uh, it's, you know, 15 more practices that we had than we did last year. So it's only going to help even more. 
There's Utah linebacker Devin Lloyd. When we come back, Patrick Stevens from the Washington Post. Is Gonzaga going to run the table and go undefeated? Will the Pac-12 get a team to the Sweet 16? Will the Aggies and Cougars advance? Who will BYU play? Many questions for Patrick Stevens, and we will get to them next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision has given you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Patrick Stevens. He writes for the Washington Post. He covers college sports. The NCAA tournament. March Madness is upon us. You have brackets to fill out, and Patrick is here with sage advice. Patrick, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How are you? Good. I've loved March Madness since I was a kid. I have filled out brackets since I was probably in junior high. But there is so much basketball on TV. We got to watch the NBA. We got to watch the Jazz. We got to watch the other top teams in the West. And we got BYU, Utah, and Utah State to watch. I can't possibly follow these other conferences in the detail you need to know what you're talking about when it comes time to fill out a bracket. There aren't enough hours in the day. Are there enough hours in the day to you for you to follow how many college teams and conferences? <laughs> there, there, there are enough. Uh, thankfully. Uh... Thankfully, being being stuck at home here for the last year or so has kind of allowed me to alter my schedule a little bit. And I'll tell you what, I watched a ton of Mountain West basketball this season because the way the schedule worked out, I feel like one of those four good teams, whether it was San Diego State, Utah State, Colorado State, uh, or uh, or Boise State, was on TV seemingly every night. So plenty familiar uh, with those teams in particular, and, and obviously seen a lot of other uh, throughout the throughout this past season. All right, I think that Kata is an NBA player, and they've got a nice just collection of role players for the Aggies uh, as far as that goes, and Craig Smith is a dynamic coach. But with that in mind, what do you think about them being able to win a game? Because it's been a while. It has been a while, and, and you know, I, I, I look at that matchup, and Texas Tech is, is one of those teams that is it, – it's been up and down uh, for sure. Like, it seems like they, they can never – if they get one, they're going to get two or three probably. Uh, but it's just as possible that they, they get bounced in the first round. Uh, you know, Mac McClung, the Georgetown transfer, uh, is kind of a dynamite presence for them. Uh, and as for Utah State, like you say, Tate has uh, had a great season, and they play fantastic defense. I mean, this game, frankly, has the potential to be one of those 58-57, uh, grinded-out, low-possession type games. I think it's really one of the one of the true toss-ups in the first round, uh, but it would not surprise me at all uh, if the Aggies are able to pull that one off and and make it out of the first round for the first time since 2001. So interesting about Texas Tech being up and down because this is the kind of thing that I I just can't tell you. I haven't seen enough. The Big 12 and the Big 10, you know, their fan bases can argue about who's the best conference, but both those conferences are pretty deep. 
and they better be if these teams are going anywhere. Texas Tech tied for sixth in their league. Michigan State's ninth in their league. Now, are they down there because they are up and down, or are those leagues legitimate, r- legitimately really deep? And these teams are tested every night, and there are no off games for these teams. Well, I, I think it's, it, it's a stretch to say there's no off games in the Big 12 or the Big 10. In the, in the Big 12, you've got an Iowa State team that went 2-21 and 21 and went 0 for the league. You've got Kansas State, which I think won four conference games and struggled. Uh, and you look at a team like a, like a Texas Tech that went 9-8 and eight in the conference while it swept Iowa State and it swept Kansas State, and there you go. We've just accounted for almost half of those conference victories. So, uh, you know, I think some of the teams at the top of the Big 12 are, are really exceptional. Baylor, uh, Kansas played well down the stretch, Oklahoma State. Uh, and Texas for sure, and West Virginia, a better version, I think, of Texas Tech being up and down. Over in the Big Ten, I think in the Michigan State case, it's, it's kind of a, a situation where they just weren't very good for a month or so, and, the, and their offense wasn't right at all. Uh, you look back at February 2nd, they were 8-7. and seven. They've had a pause of a couple weeks, uh, and since then they've played exceptionally well. So, yeah, they're, what, 9-11 and 11 or so in the league, uh, but they were 2-7 and seven at one point. And since then, they've beaten Illinois and Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, and they're a much better team, I think, right now than they are in aggregate for the season. Uh, I'll also say that those top four or five teams in the Big Ten are really, really strong uh, and will all have a chance to make multi-round runs here uh, in, the, in the weeks to come. So with that being said about the Spartans, then I assume you've got them advancing in the what we call as the play-in game traditionally and playing BYU. Yeah, I, I like Michigan State a lot more than I do a UCLA team that has, has sputtered down the stretch. I think it's four losses in a row for them. Uh, and not the bad teams, all four teams that are uh, in the tournament, uh, Colorado, Oregon, USC, and Oregon State, but, but they're a team that just hasn't really accomplished a whole lot. When you look at their, their overall set of accomplishments, they beat Colorado at home, they swept Arizona, and there's not a whole lot else there. They're, they're really a, 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 a team that's hard to figure I think Michigan State gets through uh, and then starts to put the Tom Izzo rule to the test. You look back at Izzo's record at, at the, in the second game at a site in the NCAA tournament. You might get two of those here this weekend, potentially. Uh, that's a, that's going to be a tough haul for the Cougars, but I do ha- happen to think that BYU, especially given how well it played in that first half against Gonzaga and how it largely avoided any sort of missteps throughout the season, uh, that, that that's a team I think is going to be a really tough out as well. I think a BYU Michigan State game would be one of the best second rounds, or best, I guess that's technically first round, uh, but would be one of, along with that Utah State Texas Tech matchup, would be one of the better games. You guys are kind of lucky out there having, having a couple of those really high end matchups in the first round. Patrick Stevens joining us. He writes for the Washington Post. He is paid to watch college basketball. Good gig. So I'm curious, when you're watching all the late-night games from the Mountain West, I assume you watch a lot of late-night Pac-12, and they got five teams in, which is good, certainly better than they've done in some previous years, but how many of those can get to the Sweet 16? None of them are seated to get there. UCLA and Oregon State, I don't think anyone expects to see them in the Sweet 16, but the other three teams, you know, if you're in that you know, five, six, seven range, you might make it. Are you penciling anybody in to get there? Yeah, I, I think if there's somebody that I like to be able to, to do some damage, it might be Colorado um, out of the whole bunch, although a potential second-round game against Florida State's a little scary. Uh, the Seminoles basically have a – it feels like they have a, a, a roulette wheel that they spin every game. And which of these 
13 or 14 players is going to pop up and score 14 points in a game. Uh, you really don't know with them. Uh, I, I do think it could be a, a first weekend wipeout for the Pac-12. Like you say, Oregon State 12 seed. Don't think uh, too much of UCLA. USC's the wild card. I mean, you look at them, they, they've definitely got one of those teams that, that looks great. It's one of those airport, all airport teams. Looks fantastic. <laughs> and Evan Mobley is going to be you know, one of the top five or so picks in the NBA draft in all likelihood. Uh, but that's another team that's inconsistent. And it, it's very possible that they get bounced by Wichita State or Drake, let alone Kansas the next time out. You know, I think the best team in that league is probably Oregon. They won the regular season. Uh, but having a, a matchup with Iowa potentially in the second round is a, is a tough, tough draw for the Ducks. Gonzaga obviously undefeated. How much of a burden do you think that carries? Because it's like with them, unless they win it all, even though they've been a really just a phenomenal program for so many years, it's like, yeah, well, see, I told you. They play in a lousy conference. They're really not that good. I don't know if it's so much a burden. I think the interesting thing, and we saw this in the WTC final, is it's not like they've been tested here for the last few months. You know, how do they react to suddenly being in trouble? And they reacted pretty well to BYU. They basically found their defense there in the second half of that game. I think you know the interesting element of their bracket. So you know, you have Virginia, Iowa, Kansas as the other three teams in the top four seeds, and Gonzaga's already beaten all those teams. So does that make them feel better about their draw, or is it a situation where those teams, and they could, they could run into as many as two of them, are those teams going to feel like they know what's coming, even if it's not something that you can deal with very easily, at least you have an idea what's coming. Uh, you know, to me, I, I do think Gonzaga is you know, one of the top two or three clear-cut teams in the field. If you're sitting there saying, are you going to take X number of teams in the field? I mean, the question kind of is Gonzaga and Illinois and maybe Baylor versus the field. But I, I think with three guys that are you know, popping up on all American teams in Kispert and Timmy uh, and, and, uh, and Suggs with fantastic freshmen, uh, it, it is going to be a disappointment for sure if this team is not standing at least going into the Final Four. Uh, and I, I think pretty clearly the expectations in Spokane are to, are to snip the nets on the final night of the season. So, filling out your bracket, not one of your ten brackets, your bracket of integrity, your most important See, I bracket. Don't, I don't fill out brackets. I found that it's better, to, better for me not to do that uh, in terms of being able to enjoy the tournament and cover it more effectively. Okay. But if you want some advice, I'm happy to give some. And that's exactly what I think our listeners want. Who should they put in their final four? Oh, gosh. I mean, I think I would go with Gonzaga out of the West. I think that's, that's the team to beat there. Uh, you know, the, the, the South is kind of a tricky bracket for me because I could see that thing getting blown up in any number of ways. Um, you know, I think Baylor could have problems, for example, with North Carolina in the second round. I think Arkansas... Uh, might have the clearest path, uh, and, and then produce kind of an interesting team, too. Uh, so if you put me on the spot, I'll, I'll give you Arkansas there, but I don't feel great about that regional at all. Uh, in the Midwest, I'll go ahead and give you Illinois. I think it's a possible Illinois-Oklahoma State Sweet 16 game. The Brad Underwood Bowl would be fantastic. Uh, and then in the East, you know, I think Michigan without Isaiah Livers is going to be vulnerable throughout. Uh, and I think that's a that's a bracket that they could get blown up in any way possible. I'll, I'll take Florida State there just because I look at Michigan, I look at Texas, 
I look at Alabama. Those are all teams that have very high, you know, there's a very high risk reward element to them. Uh, a team that could create some problems in that bracket in particular is the seven seed Connecticut with James Booknight. They've just been a different team since he's gotten back and healthy. Uh, and he's, he could be the latest guard that carries UConn deep, deep into the tournament. Have you heard any rumblings about all these coaching vacancies who might be interested? No, no, I'm not. I'm not much into the rumor mill. Sorry. Steer clear of that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, if uh, if you're looking, and, and maybe UConn is that team, if you're looking for the team that isn't seated that well that can make deep run into the tournament, who are you looking at? Well, again, let's go region by region here. I think in the West, UC Santa Barbara is, it has been gifted kind of a spot there that is favorable. They get a Creighton team and a little bit of turmoil in the 5-12 game. Uh, you don't know whether Virginia is actually going to you know, make it to the, to the start, starting line uh, right now. But Santa Barbara, uh, with Ja'Cory McLaughlin, the Big West player of the year, uh, has lost only once since New Year's Day, a, a team that's not hard to like. Um, you know, Winthrop, the 12th seed in the South, has only lost once. Chandler Vaudrin has three triple doubles. They draw Villanova, who's down at starting point guard in Colin Gillespie. I think they can win at least one game and, and maybe multiple games in that South bracket. Uh, in the Midwest, I think Syracuse, having slipped in, is really dangerous. They've been playing well. I mean, on paper, they're profiled. I don't think that they should have avoided a play-in game. I didn't even have them in, but I can understand the appeal to them. But subjectively... You know, they beat Clemson, they beat Carolina, uh, and they nearly beat Virginia all since the start of the month. And the last time that they barely avoided a play-in game was 2016. Uh, and they, with, a, with an assist from Middle Tennessee knocking off Michigan State, they ran all the way to the Final Four. Uh, and then in the East, if you want a team uh, that has a chance to, to do a little bit of damage, you know, it could be that Michigan State team if, if they can catch fire. I don't know if they, if they can achieve the consistency necessary uh, to pull that off. Uh, another team that I like, I don't know if they can beat Michigan in the second-round game, uh, but St. Bonaventure is really well coached. The Atlantic 10 champion, uh, Kyle Lawson, the point guard, Oshuna Shuni, uh, the big man in the middle, uh, and Mark Schmidt, uh, really one of the underrated uh, sideline guys in the country. I, I think they have a chance uh, to, to really make a little bit of noise, uh, but they're probably going to have to take advantage of Isaiah Liver's absence from Michigan to make that happen. Patrick, I'll be honest. After you said UC Santa Barbara, I kind of blanked out. I am a gaucho, and we have one NCAA tournament win all time. I'll take two. I think you're gonna. Ha- I think come what is it Saturday? You're gonna have a second one to celebrate. Patrick Stevens, the Washington Post college sports guy. May he be right about the gauchos. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks so much for having me, All right, Patrick Stevens. You can read him in the Washington Post. There it is, PK. Put the gauchos in your bracket. Make it happen. To you, I'm happy for you. <laughs> Grand Canyon, 15 seed. It could happen. If it does, I'll be happy for you. I have no interest. In it, <laughs> you can't even fake it for radio? Come on, PK. <laughs> it would be cool for the program, for sure. But uh, I don't. You're not living and dying with the Grand Canyon basketball. Personal uh, satisfaction with in that regard. I've been in this business too long, but it certainly would be cool. I mean, well, we love 15s beating twos, no matter who they are. That's always that's always exciting. It's a game you got to flip on if you see it's close. I think for Grand Canyon, though, uh, the 
the bigger story is they want more. They mm. want to get in the West Coast Conference. Yeah, right. You know, it's a religious-based uh, conference, obviously. Uh, I think Pacific is not, but Pacific was established by the Methodists, if I remember correctly, whatever. But anyway, I think they would love to join the conference, and uh, you know, they don't feel the football program, obviously. And actually, when you think about it, it would be a decent fit. And <clears throat> if I'm the West Coast Conference, I seriously consider it because their basketball program is improving. Uh, they got Drew there to coach the team and uh, have that Phoenix market. Yeah, smack dab the, in the in the the two I've read about are Grand City, yeah. yeah Grand Canyon and Seattle and there's good high school basketball players in, in both of those areas so uh, that makes sense. I don't know if they want to go to twelve, thing, but but d- d- to get to go down there and have that opportunity, uh, they would. In my mind, they would automatically be in the top half of the conference because they care. It matters. And that ought to get them over a lot of teams really yeah. quickly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not just something that we have because we have it. It's They have it and they want to win. They want to win at the highest level, and this is their first opportunity to go to the NCAA tournament. So that's a big story there. I saw a thing that uh, they listed uh, the top coaches – all the all well, all the coaches in the tournament, so sixty eight, where they ranked, they ranked them according to their playing ability. <laughs> and, and Drew, who uh, you know, hit that one that that shot, was it against Mississippi State? That yeah, they had the kid throw the ball, and then the kid yeah. just deflected it to Drew coming running down the right side. He hits that shot at the buzzer. So does the swan dive right? Yeah, yeah. I think he was in the top five because he did play a little bit in the NBA. I think they had Mark Pope at four, and then, of course, they have Patrick Ewing, number one, because he's a Hall of Fame player, and I don't think that there's any other player or a coach who was a Hall of Fame player. Uh, so Craig Smith didn't get a good run. He was way up in the 60s. I don't think he had a very uh, distinguished playing career, but so far he's had a distinguished coaching, coaching career. career. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the Joe Ingles Show. Joe Ingles coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles joined us late in the show on Wednesday. A few early risers, we replay it now. He'll drop a last night on Boston. Trust me, he knows what day of the week it is and he knows when they play Boston. But he wanted to go on a little early this week because they get the back-to-back Thursday, Friday. He doesn't usually like to come on game days. Prefers the day off. So, the Jazz do play the Washington Wizards tonight. They're 10 games under 500. This is a great chance for the Jazz to uh, pick up a win. So, here is Joe Ingles with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bell! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. (laughs) With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 
1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union. It's the longest-serving credit union in Utah. Cypress Credit Union is here to help with all your financial needs. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles to his own show. Joe, good morning. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> Trapped in your hotel room, first in Boston, Boston, now in Washington, unable to walk around some of those walkable cities. You sound a little depressed, Joe. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not as fun as it used to be. We had to go out and eat and do it, like you said. I mean, we can. I think we're allowed to go for a little quick stroll out, sneak out, and get out and for for a quick walk. But yeah, not much. Uh, not much going on. A lot of testing and a lot of sitting in the room. You have that cross-country flight the other day. Uh, when Terrible. you guys are, uh, I was just going to ask you, what do you do on in that situation? Because you're cooped up in the hotel. Now you're cooped up in a plane for a. That's probably the longest trip you've you've been on as an NBA player. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was like five and a half or something like that. Five forty yeah. or something. They end up taking. Um, we could have just kept going the other way and going to Melbourne. I would have been uh, <laughs> back home. Would have been able to see see some family. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, everyone does different stuff. Guys are obviously watching movies and stuff. We played cards for a little bit, but um, had a sleep. It was like it was one of those. It was like flying to Australia. Where you can do like twenty different things, and you look at the time, and you still got two hours left. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it was obviously a bit of a. A kind of weird scheduling um, obviously had to be done for whatever reason and you just make it work so I think the decision to f- we could have obviously flown after the game but we would have got in at a ridiculous hour so we stayed the night and flew the next day and um, yeah ended up obviously kind of working out alright I think guys felt decent um, I don't think everyone anyone felt great after getting off the flight and doing all that and we got in really late um, well not really late but, but late in terms of leaving the hotel at 9 or something and getting in at 6 so it was a full day of travel and um, to come out and play well yesterday was, was good after that So uh, I'm curious as a guy who grew up with grandparents who didn't have TV didn't have video uh, they played a lot of cards and as a kid I played about 100,000 different card games cribbage, rummy, gin gin rummy uh, hearts, spades. I mean, go on forever. What what is the card game of choice? Uh, it's actually called bure. It's a kind of version of spades. Um, I don't exactly know the difference because I'd never played spades. I only got I got introduced to bure as a as a well, not young guy as a NBA player. Um, so yeah, everyone says to, like anyone that you, you try and teach the game to. Everybody says, "Oh, it's like spades," which I've never played spades, but I guess it's like that. So, um, more honestly, more of a time waster than anything else. I think for a lot of us, you like I've I've sat and played cards for for a long time now at the table, and some of honestly, like some of the best conversations and stories and stuff like that I've ever heard has been sitting at that table. So. Um, we we honestly play for for fun. I've sat there and like Joe Johnson telling crazy funny stories. Like anyone, anyone that's kind of it's obviously 
on our, on our plane, there's I think there's two tables where four guys can sit around. So just uh, sit, honestly sit with the guys and and talk and laugh, and it, it makes the five and a half hours go a lot quicker. So um, yeah, it's fun. I don't want to make a big deal about one game and say, oh, my gosh, uh, the Celtic game was a must-win. But I think it was important to win. How do you feel about that when you go into that game where you lost the game, you didn't play well and all that stuff? Do you, th- do you think of that mindset or do you just take it as another game along the schedule? Yeah, I mean, I don't think at this point it's, it wasn't like we were, we were down uh, 3-1 or whatever. Like it wasn't yeah. a must-win. We didn't... Uh, if we'd lost, we weren't knocked out of the NBA. Um, but in terms, like you said, like it's important, and obviously we wanted to get back on the right track, and um, we hadn't played well um, for, for those kind of first two games, even the, the first game out of break um, against Houston. We obviously won the game, but we gave up a, a 20 or whatever point lead, but... Um, played well in stretches, I guess, there, but obviously to give up that lead, and then Golden State was probably more bad than good. So obviously coming into this one, and, and obviously like Boston's a really good team too. So I think just making sure, um, and that's where I think the the long flight and the long day and all that can or could easily be a distraction. And oh well, we we did have a a long day of travel, a full kind of full day of travel. It's it's easy to chalk it up as. Uh, a bit too like kind of a little bit too hard and, and move on to the next one but I think everyone obviously the way we played those first two games we, we wanted to kind of flick the switch a little bit and, and, and just get rolling a little bit I, I think I don't think we'd played I think we shot 43 I don't know if we'd shot 40 in those first two um, if we did it didn't feel like we did I think we played a lot more like ourselves yesterday um, on both ends of the floor defensively and, and offensively Um so yeah, it was it was good to, like I said, kind of flick that switch on how we had played those first couple games, and and again get a good win against a, a really good team who's who's playing a lot better than kind of what they were at different times this year. So in the time I've been here, a lot of jazz players have come and gone, and you forget a lot of stuff, but there's usually a snapshot or two for each player you kind of remember. And I think when that time comes for you, what I'm going to remember is you (laughs) hitting a three in front of the opposing bench and more often than not turning over your shoulder and telling them something as you head back down court. You did it again against the Celtics, and I'm wondering – when you do that most of the time, is it just for the sheer joy of talking trash to the bench? Is it because you know somebody on the bench and you need to specifically talk to them? Or they've been yapping at you and we just don't know it, and you're getting in the second word because they fired the first shot. What was it against Boston, and what is it usually? Uh, usually it's A, B, or C. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't mind. Last night, um, one of the young guys there was... Obviously, I, I think it was one of the ones Donovan or whoever threw it to me threw it high, and I just shot it from where it was. And they yelled something out, and I just turned and gave him a little wink. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's honestly dear. Obviously, if there's a guy I know, I'm more than happy to say something to him. Um, obviously, it was a lot more fun when the bench was a bit kind of like closer and mm-hmm. the normal um, seating arrangement because there was everybody was right there. Um, when now you just get a couple of them right there. So, um, 
Yeah, honestly, it, just whatever. I, I, I think a lot of the time you, I mean, if you're in that corner in front of the bench, you, uh, and it, it, I guess it's the same on the other side when the crowd is normally there and there's courtside seats and they're literally like one large step away from you. <laughs> um, as they see the ball coming or whatever it is, and obviously uh, having a shot that looks a little funny and awkward probably doesn't help too. Um but it's more of like a you go and catch the ball and they're yelling something to try and distract you or whatever. So just got to let them know that I don't get distracted by these people. <laughs> they don't bother me. <laughs> so you also had something to say to the referee uh, during the game. I thought you got fouled. It's the kind of foul they sometimes call. Don't, I don't do that every game. You do, but this was a little different, and I know that uh, you know you're a vet now, and you've got a little bit of a rep, and you see them, and they see you because it's not that big a league, right? And so I'm wondering how much of it is just the emotion of the moment, you just say whatever, and how calculating do you have to be when you talk to ref? So A, you don't get a T. B, you don't get another bad call a couple possessions later because the guy's uh, mad at you. And C, possibly you even get the good call a couple possessions later because now he realizes what you saw and he's looking for it. How do you play that? Um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, I think it's different. Obviously, Golden State, I got, I think I got probably over-frustrated it. Um, the non-call or whatever it was and I obviously got teed up that game um, and I don't enjoy getting teed up I think sometimes sometimes it can kind of I guess make a point or um, kind of fire your team up a little bit at the right time and obviously you know you're giving up a free throw for it but if it's the right time and, and all that I think sometimes it can be effective um, I can't remember what I was talking about last night <laughs> but uh, I mean, there was one position I remember walking out there a couple of times and asking them a question because it was, we thought Boyan was getting held, like he was holding his, or he was holding his jersey. And I was just trying to, like if, I think sometimes, and this isn't even on them or anything really, but just realizing that like a pull of a jersey can make more of a difference than they might think. Um like if he doesn't hold Boyan's jersey, he comes off a pin down and he's probably wide open to shoot it. He grabs his jersey and pulls up Boyan, kind of turns and looks at him or tries to push his hand off and it kind of like junks up that whole possession. Um, I remember talking to him about that one time, like it, it might look like nothing, but it, it affects it more than I think they they think or like even the, the players think. Like it's, if Boyan doesn't turn and look and try and like hit his hand off or, or whatever, then maybe he comes off and he's wide open. Um, obviously, with Rudy and Fave screening, it's probably more of a chance he is wide open too. So, um, yeah, just I, I, obviously I'm going to stick up and support my teammates in every situation that I think is necessary, but there is a fine line, I guess, too. I don't want to... Uh, you don't want to be in there here the whole game because they do... Sometimes they do, like Zach, who teased me up the other night, was like, just stop. Like, And I was like, well... It's not about just like stopping or talking or not talking. It's like, I thought you missed the call and I thought it was an obvious one. Like, and then the same thing happened down the other end. Like, and you caught, like, it's just a, so you got to be, you got to be smart with it. I've had, I've had a, a few, uh, a few ones that I've obviously gone too far and, and sometimes I just try and stay away. There's been games where I'm like, all right, I'm not talking the rest of the quarter. Like, I'm just not, <laughs> just going to mind my own business and see what happens. 
How much at all do you guys pay attention to the standings now? Uh, I mean, I couldn't care less, to be honest. Um, no, I mean, uh, I know we're up there somewhere. I'm assuming we're still first after the break, but I could be wrong. You are. Um, no, you're right. Oh, we are. Um, I live and die by him. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to live a sad, miserable life if you live and die by the standings. Thank um, you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think this. I mean, obviously, we we there was enough talk. Like you, you hear it, you see it. Um, I don't jump on my phone when I get up each morning to check the standings and, and all that. But um, at the end of the day, like I said, have said before, it's first, second, fifth, like whatever it is. Obviously, you want you want to be. I'm not saying we don't want to finish the highest possible, win as many games as possible, but we want to be playing our best basketball at the end of the year. So. Um, yeah, if that's the case, and we're top or we're third or whatever it is, and we are, it kind of is what it is. But um, yeah, it's not a we don't come in just saying that we want to finish. Like it, it'd be nice to finish top, but there's a, a lot more of a process of what goes on than just trying to finish top. So. March Madness is a big deal here. College basketball is a di- big deal for you and for Rudy and for Bojan. You know, if you're a foreign guy, you don't have a you don't have a dog in the fight. But I'm thinking on these uh, plane trips, and you're on the road with nothing to do. That some of these guys who do have schools. I mean, Donovan's got to be quiet because Louisville's not in. Uh, but some of these guys probably have a lot to say about March Madness. Is there a lot about that uh, going back and forth on the team or no? Uh, there hasn't been too much yet, but I'm sure it'll heat up once. Uh kind of once it gets going um, I'm on the Baylor Bears this year um, <laughs> is that what they're called? Yes yeah, 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 you're right. yeah, yeah, you got it You got it. Well, Roy, I assume this is Royce, right? Royce got you going? He's a Baylor guy? Lindsay? Well, yeah, Dennis? There's a way bigger backstory. Okay, yeah, let's hear it one, That's the one reason I didn't want to support them because of Dennis I didn't want to um, <laughs> I wanted to be able to go against like so I could argue with Dennis about something and but I, Baylor was actually one of the schools and probably, if not one of the closest schools, if I went to college, I was going to go to. Um, Scott Drew, who is still the coach now, was recruiting me, um, whatever it was, back in 1972 when I was a young fella. Um, <laughs> I actually would have been there with Epe if I decided to go, which would have been kind of cool. Um, but it, yeah, didn't didn't obviously go, but... Um, yeah, I just I don't know. I don't St. Mary I don't think St. Mary's are in this year. Um no. I'd be surprised. I don't actually follow enough of it to know or not. I I know they used to because they had a bunch of good Australians, but since they lost yeah. the good Australians I'd be surprised. Um So yeah, I'm just I was like, screw it, I'll just be on the Baylor Bears this year. So I'm on Royce's team this year. So how close were you to actually going to college in the US? Uh, about as close as you are to playing a game in the NBA. You know, once on the jazz floor, I did play in a charity game, and I hit a 17-footer, though. You got two points in your career. Yeah. That might get yeah. you a... Yeah. throw was there. Two, I think DJ was there, too. Out. He can verify it. It's a fact. You nailed it, it down. You, just, you could probably get it. It was sweet. It was pure. <laughs> probably. Um, <laughs> no. Not, Ten second? Not... Not too close. Um, obviously, it was when we in Australia when we were at the AAS and 
there's about 15 of us deciding what we want to do and you can go college or pro and I think I was the only one out of our whole group um, and I'm talking like kind of Aaron Baines, Paddy Mills all those guys were there with me they all went to college um, I did listen to a few of the teams there's only a few teams that I really listened to it was St. Mary's, Baylor um, a couple other ones but um, yeah I just didn't uh, I don't know. I just didn't want to do the educational part of it, which if I knew what I knew now, I probably would have gone because there isn't much educational part of it. Um, <laughs> but no, I just, yeah, I sat and listened to them and figured out, uh, I guess, what I needed to do schooling-wise. I probably would have had to do a few extra classes and then um, obviously sit that test or whatever you have to sit to to get in and I just had no interest so I was like I'm just going to go pro and uh, didn't uh, didn't look back at all I, I, I loved my my journey so it would have been cool to I guess go and spend a year or something and just experience it to have the experience but um, I wouldn't change it for, for anything So I'm curious if St. Patrick's Day is a thing in Australia or not so much Absolutely. You get to drink beer. Anything that you get to drink beer in Australia is a thing. Mate. There it is. Fosters. Yeah, not Fosters, but anything else. (laughs) 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 No, it's a, um, yeah, it's pretty popular. I mean, it's, I'm saying this coming from a guy who hasn't lived in Australia since I was 12 years ago. Um, But no, it's always a, most Australians will find any excuse to be able to go and have a beer and watch them. Uh, the AFL starts, I think, this week, this weekend. So everyone will be able to go to the pub and watch the AFL and have a beer and be very sensible. Are they going to uh, have fans at the AFL this year? How's that progressing? Or are they going to be more like NBA games? Yeah, I haven't. Um, I was actually, I was actually thinking about that the other day. Um, we are basically completely open in Australia and have been for a while. There's been a couple mini kind of lockdowns, but it's it's funny. I I laugh a little bit about it because they were talking like on the news. I think it was a few weeks ago. We're down to like X number of of cases or whatever. It's three or four hundred, whatever it was. And obviously, that's good from where we were in the thousands um, a little while ago, but still, that's still a decent number. Um, and I think it was about two weeks ago now, a week or two ago, <laughs> Melbourne, I think it was Melbourne, had one case and they shut the borders to Melbourne for like three days to like, um, what do you call it, like slow the, slow the spread or whatever. One, one person. And... Mm. They shut the borders, so they they obviously they take it, which I, I mean honestly I think that's probably a little extreme. Like they they take it that serious. I, I feel like that's I could see if you have a flight come in and there's like a hundred people or eighty people on the flight and and they're all going landing and going to their respective places from there. It's a little bit different, but they had like it was like one or two cases and they shut down the the city for a few days. So. We, we take it serious, and um, which is obviously why on the flip side, New Zealand as well. I think New Zealand was probably the best at how they handled it. But, um, 
Yeah, we're we're completely open. I see my friends at restaurants and bars and sporting events. So I don't know what our AFL stadiums in the two in Melbourne. One holds a hundred thousand, the other one holds like sixty thousand. Um, so usually they're not they're not sold out, but they're usually on a like a regular weekend, kind of probably seventy percent filled, depending on who's playing. Um, so you're talking like sixty, seventy thousand people. Um, going to the game so I don't know what the numbers are if they are having kind of no restrictions on it or if they will limit it just to be safe but I mean off the, I mean, without reading anything I would say it would be pretty open um, the NBL the basketballs had crowds um, so yeah it would be, be interesting to see hopefully for their sake for the players sake they, they have some fans there well, Joe, as always, we appreciate it. Hope we brightened up your day sitting in a hotel room for, you know, 20 you minutes. You Jazz did. fans hanging on your every word. It was the it was the greatest thing on the trip so far. Yeah, that is a sad trip then. You're right. <laughs> Sorry about that. Maybe a little bourree on the plane. That'll, that'll spark Maybe. things. Yeah. When do we fly? No, we got a game first. Yep, you do. We play, yeah, yeah. I've got to play a game before. Play yeah, and then up. you're going to go to Tampa Bay for the first time. You haven't been to Tampa Bay for the NBA, for the. Uh, for I have literally no idea where that is. <laughs> it's close to Orlando, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't. Uh, it'll be cool. I don't know. Yeah. Is it? Is it cool? It's. Uh, yeah. I've never been there, but uh, yeah, it looks good. There's a lot of water. It's Florida. There's the ocean. The temperatures ought to be nice for the you know 12 minutes you're allowed outdoors. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so my hotel will be nice. There That'd you go. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Joe. No worries. Thanks for having me. Joe Ingles Show right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And it is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union, where your future is our future. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.